Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to the Remastered Podcast. Today's guest is Sheikh Shadi Al-Masri on episode four. And today's topic will be how do I keep up my good habits after Ramadan? Jazakallah khair, Sheikh, and welcome to the podcast. Just a little introduction on the Sheikh himself. He was born and raised in New Jersey, mashallah. He studied the Sharia privately in various countries, such as Morocco, Yemen, Egypt, and the holy cities of Mecca and Medina. And he completed a PhD out in the um, in London, mashallah, uh, University of London. And in 2010, he founded Safina Society, mashallah, which operates out of New Brunswick Islamic Center in New Jersey, where he also serves as a scholar in residence. So as he said, by day, it's Safina Society, and by night, it's a scholar in residence in, at the masjid, mashallah. Welcome, Sheikh Shadi. How are you thank, today? Alhamdulillah, very good. Welcome, salam, and thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on uh, your new podcast. This is, this is new, right? It is new, it is. It's episode four, alhamdulillah. And I'm very excited to have you. And uh, Sheikh Shadi, we're going to move into like the topic uh, at hand. We wanted to cover really um, some things that we can begin to implement into our routine to make sure we don't fall backwards after Ramadan ends. Good uh, uh, idea and question. But the, the main thing is I look at is I don't think human beings behave by rational habits or, or, or lists of to-dos. Uh, I don't think that's how human beings behave uh, or are moved to action. People are moved to action by their feelings. And this is you know, an important psychology to know. You're not moved to action by your, 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 your beliefs, your, what you know is right. We all know what's healthy to eat and what's not, but we don't do it. We all know what, hel- uh, you know what a lot of things that are right and wrong, but we don't do it. What, we are moved by feelings and we're moved by emotion and we're moved by um, a desire. So I could summarize all of that in motivation. So I could make all sorts of lists now, the worst things that people do, and everyone knows this, you have a New Year's resolution, you write down, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Then lo and behold, it's January 3rd, and you forgot about it. Why? Because you did it the wrong way. You're, you're trying to move yourself backwards. What we have to do is actually realize that we're moved by motivation. And therefore, what we're motivated by is some kind of result uh, that makes us feel so amazing and good and happy. And so the right way to go about things is to ask ourselves, what do we want our end to look like? Like I, I want to see myself like this. And it's the constant drilling of that image into our head, whether it's by words or just visualizing it, and you feed that image into yourself. The, the, the thoughts and the ideas that you feed yourself, that's exactly uh, what's going to move your emo- emotions. And then you don't need a list. You'll find yourself moving in ways you can't imagine. If you look at the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he never uh, said, okay, we're going to make the hijrah. We need to do this, 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 this. No, he said, Suraka, for example, was chasing him. He didn't say, you need to realize that I'm the true messenger and you need to turn back. No, he said, Suraka, would you like to wear the bracelets of Kisra? We all know the story of Suraka was catching the Prophet to get 100 camels reward. The Prophet created an image for him. Mm-hmm. He put an image in his mind. The man is after money. So he knows he his money. He gave him a new goal. Yeah. He gave him a better goal than 100 camels. He gave him this, this amount of gold and jewelry that you can't put a price tag on it because it's the king of Persia's gold. 
he's going to sell that at a, such a high price or keep it for himself. And, and he gave him that image. Surakas, all of a sudden, everything left his mind about camels, about chasing down the Prophet and Abu Bakr, and he accepted the deal. As the Prophet was, was honest about it, he believed it. The Prophet knew that this was going to happen. How about when they were digging the trench and they hit this rock and the Prophet saw, we have so much work to do. This boulder is not moving. Everyone's gathered. Now that means no one's working because everyone's gathered around this boulder. The clock is ticking and he sees the faces of the Sahaba like we're in trouble. There's 10,000 people coming on the city, our homes and the Islam and our children and everything. Deen and dunya is on the line here. Prophet saw this look on their faces and he saw everyone's around. He took a strike, a spark. It was abnormally large, like almost like a sign from Allah. What did the Prophet do? He said, this is the opening of Persia. He created an image of their mind. Not only, he, this is, he went beyond that we're going to survive this battle. We're going to be winning victories that make your mind explode. And he creates that image in their mind. Once he did that, if you look after the seerah, in the seerah, if you follow the story of the trench, right after that incident, they finished that trench so quickly yes. because they were so moved. It's like, wow, they, we're, we're going to do this. The Prophet just said it. We're going to have Persia. We're going to have Syria. We're going to have Yemen. All these are. So the idea of Quraysh, that's nothing anymore. It's so minimal at this point. So when we talk about goals, you don't write a list of things to do. Who wants a list of things to do? It gives you a headache. It makes you demoralized. I want an image of what I want. And you, can, you must think big because if you don't think big, you're minimizing the qudra of Allah. Allah has a qudra. He's got power. And when we set down our goals, we make our goals by Allah's power, not by our power. So it's, then, it's visualizing the goal and writing the journey, really. Um, I, I, like, I like how you highlighted the concept of like, you know, making the goal bigger than you can imagine based on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's ability, not this, and then enjoying the journey or writing the journey to reach that goal. We shortchange ourselves, yeah. and it's because of a lack of iman or ignorance. I'm telling you, and Allah is telling us, He's repeating it over and over and over. Why then, when I write down a goal, am I going to limit it to my power? Mm. I'm going to put it based on Allah's power. They're telling me the outlet, for example, can receive <laughs> 50,000 watts. Let's say I'm in a studio. This can receive so much. Why then be stingy? and put the wattage that only fits in a household, right? Like a small amount of wattage. Why don't I take advantage? It's telling me I got the ability to do all these wattage, so put it in. Oh, you don't believe it, that's why. Well, if you don't believe something like that, you're the first loser, right? Because you're shortchanging yourself. And so we really have a win-win here because we're getting Iman, but we're also, gaining what our own desire wants in life why would you shortchange yourself and that's why there are so few winners in life if you think about it because they don't shoot big enough they don't believe it's going to happen and here's the key we have something called dhikr which we all know 
But what is dhikr? It's, it strengthens your iman because it's a repetition, 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 repetition. Now, dhikrullah is so vast from the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala is, is what you're asking of him. That's the dhikrullah. If you continually repeat and you repeat to yourself, I believe Allah is capable of creating this into, into my world. If you repeat it, you're going to believe it. You can just put, it's one and one, put one and one together. If you repeat it for a constant repetition of this, whether you write it in your phone and look at it every day as a note or you rewrite it with your hand because the more tactile you get with it, Mm-hmm. It has impact and you read it out loud. So you're hearing it, you're seeing it, you're speaking it. You will believe it. And yeah, this so is that's that how speaks to the power, the power of affirmations, right? That we're constantly told that if you want to see change in yourself, you want to cha- see change in your environment, not only do you visualize it, you verbalize it. You're constantly telling yourself, you're like you said, you're reading it out loud, you're putting it on sticky notes everywhere. You're making it so that that goal is something repeated constantly, the same way we we repeat the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the dhikr that we do on it on a daily basis. So I think the way that you correlated those two is uh, very beautiful, that if you want uh, to achieve that goal, if your goal post-Ramadan is to continue with the beautiful experiences that we've gone through during Ramadan, is to really visualize that goal and ride the journey to reach that goal. If you could um, really highlight specific habits that you want to um, you want our listeners to learn or understand why it's important that they implement it back in our tradition uh, for example you know when you when you're mentioning um, that dhikr is a, a powerful tool and it's a powerful example of how something is um, uh, reaffirms the belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala there are different ways that we could turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know there's tahajjud there is um, that the ways we could act on that belief that we have for Allah. If you could speak to that a little bit. Well, there's nothing more powerful than tahajjud, and there's nothing more powerful than the salah on the Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. These are two things that uh, uh, we're almost, if there is any such thing as a guarantee, and Allah tells us it's guaranteed. Uh, the the when there's sat al ijaba, we all know that we're taught right away that Allah answers prayers in four different ways. He answers prayer, dua, as we ask, or he gives us something better, that's two, or he protects us from something terrible that happened, that's three, or he saves it for us on Yom Al-Qiyamah, that's four. And many people get disappointed by this. They're like, this is a trick, right? Because whatever happens, it's going to be one of these four, right? It's not a trick because the sign of any of the other three, the sign of that is that it's going to come out of your mouth. The sign that Allah has answered your dua in a way that's better is that you will one day, without rehearsing it, just naturally say, I had made dua for this, I got something way better. That's a sign that istijaba number two. Happened. Number two. If you had something terrible happened to somebody else and you were saved from it, it's going to come out of your mouth that you say, you know, I was spending, busying myself, desiring that but I was actually saved from this. This is way more important to me. You uttered that. Who said that you didn't have to make that connection? But you made that connection. It was your dua, yeah. And you feel so satisfied now, right? I didn't get that, but alhamdulillah, I was saved. You know, people uh, have suffer from things. Wow, alhamdulillah, I'm not saved from that. So you utter it. And then the fourth one is usually something that... Uh, 
it doesn't happen for a reason. And sometimes like there are martyrs, people who die for a cause. They don't see the cause, but Allah gives them something greater than that cause, right? And uh, they're pleased with that. Sayyidina Ali, for example, did not see the fruit of his results. In our modern times, Malcolm X knew he is a dead man walking, right? And they're pleased with that. They accept that. So no one should feel I'm being tricked because you will feel satisfied when your dua is mustajab. You will sell yourself, utter it and say it. Okay. Yeah, it's comforting but, to know that one of these four ways will always be a response to your du'a. It's comforting, yeah, and you have to know that you're you're you'll you'll be the te- the one who testifies that you're happy with the trade. Okay, yeah. and that's what's most important is people want to be happy. They make a du'a because they they have concluded this is what's going to make me happy. But Allah will tell you, no, I'll make you happy, but through this route, and you won't care at the time about. What, whether which four means of uh, istijaba because either way you're, you're happy with the result but there are two there are certain times of the day and the night and the calendar where what the dua that you make as you say it exactly how you say it is going to be received and that's something very precious for us and when we say it's exactly how you say it's going to be received without tricks some people shaitan comes to them and says oh be careful what you say, because you may get it and it's bad for you. That's for people who get something and want something and they do haram to get it. When Allah Ta'ala, he has makr for people and he tricks them. Who does he trick? A righteous Muslim praying in the middle of the night? No, he tricks someone who does something haram. So as you say it, you will receive it with the barakah and the blessing and no harm. And those, of course, we know that it's sometime in the last third of the night, every night, once a week on Friday. Some people say at the end of the uh, uh, day, close to Maghrib, and four nights a year, according to numerous hadith, that if you compile them all, it gives a sound meaning. And they are the two nights of Eid, meaning the night before Eid, both Eids, Laylatul Qadr and Laylatul Nisfim and Shaban. There's a whole booklet by an Azhari scholar listing all the narrations that point to these four days of the year four nights a year one night a week or, uh, one, uh, one one uh, day a week and then every thursday night every thursday night really every night but specifically every thursday night and so it's looking for those times it's searching for, it's believing it oh what are we doing here with our iman Sheikh Ratib bin Rutsi always says, we all say la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. The real test is, is, is our behavior reflective of that. Yeah. And it's not enough it's to not just, just say it. You have to really believe it and act upon it. And this is something, by believing and acting upon it, no one's benefiting except yourself. You're benefiting yourself. We're not saying believe in it and jump over a fire where you're taking a risk. No, you're benefiting yourself. So if someone can't believe in something that he's being told, this will transform your life, then what is he ever going to believe in, right? Now, this is a life-transforming opportunity Allah's given us here, right? So that's, uh, that's where we're going. And, and uh, I think there's nothing will increase a person's iman greater than hope for improvement in life. That's why Allah says, They get up in the middle of the night calling on their Lord out of fear and greed, like a positive greed for the, the Allah's bounty in this life and the next. Nobody likes the fear part. So they say the fear part happens only like maybe one out of a hundred times because it's 
qabd. Qabd is bad. It's better. It's best for us, but it's we don't like it. And then there's bust. Allah's hands are open for us to seek from His bounty. So those that's what you have to look for. Look for those sa'at al ijaba. Yeah, and that's a great reminder, Jazakallah Khair. So uh, if we could think about the best way to, to relate this to our listeners, especially um, uh, maybe uh, if we were to assume a lot of our listeners are young folks, uh, to remind them, you know, there is that concept of turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all times and understanding that our, you're turning, you turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those du'as that you make are answered in one of four different ways. Um, but then also taking advantage of the prayer into the night. When, when we talk about the prayer in the night, um, Sheikh Shadi, does it have to be like that entire hour? Like, can it be just somebody waking up 20 minutes before Fajr and like really their intention is that istijaba from, from God, that answering from, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or in the entire ordeal to say maybe like it might burden some people to think it has to be a big thing. It's always going to start very gradually and nobody's going to, uh, uh, can be, nothing can be practical or, or nothing's going to work if it's not practical enough for you to persist upon it. So uh, at some point, it may begin by taking advantage of the moments that you're tossing and turning in your, in your bed or when you go to the bathroom. And then slowly that converts into wudu and converts into salah. So... Um, it's really, it's, it's got to come from within a person, but it's going to come gradually. And your energy and your motivation and your action is not correlated or measured by um, your physical state, right? It's correlated energy uh, or mode, it's, it's correlated by your, your inner state, your inner state of expectation, hope, and desire and motivation. So that's why you can see a person go, whoa, through the roof really quick mm -hmm. because he latched on to the idea. Oh, Allah is capable. This situation can change real fast. He latched on another person doesn't latch on. He just, he can't move. And that's why one of the poets says that when, when guidance, true understanding of Allah, when it enters your heart, all of a sudden your body will move. Be full of energy. But if the opposite happens and you don't really believe in his qudra, you won't move, no matter how healthy you are. So the best reminder is to truly um, remember and, and be in awe of um, Allah's mercy and Allah's ability to, to grant all that your heart desires. Uh, we see a common reaction, um, especially with the next generation or the generation that grew up in the West. Uh, we feel like sometimes uh, there's a level of guilt or like some falsehoods that uh, in reaction to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, may grant us. So one of them is like, oh, this is not good for me. Um, it's shaitan's whispers, um, his habit to say that things are not good for us, um, even though it is Allah's plan. So if it's Allah's plan, Allah decreed it, it is good for us some way or the other. Um, so how do you reconcile that with, um, uh, you know, people saying, well, I asked for something, but I got something else in return. Um, what, what, what should they remember during that thought process? It's a very simple uh, equation and a very simple rule of thumb. You don't know the Qadr. You're not allowed to say what's, you're not allowed to pre predict the Qadr. 
Am I allowed to say that, uh, you know, in 2022, and then is going to come and say Naisa is going to come down? I'm not allowed to say that because I don't know the future. You also don't know what's good for you and what's bad for you in the future. So why is it that we latch on to this, to the one route to say it's good for me, it's bad for me, but not as good for me? You don't know either way. And therefore, that whole discussion is off the table unless it's something that happens after the fact. So, for example, um, that I want to, to, to buy this home and I put a bid in and I lose the bid. Mm, and the home, yeah. the sale goes to somebody else. So it's after the fact. It's halas. 100% it was not good. Was it me. meant to be? Yeah. Was it meant to be? Because that's husnadhan, billah, right? Or, oh, it would have been good for me, but Allah has something better for me in store. Okay, so only after the fact are we allowed to make that just judgment. If the if the matter is still a possibility, it's in progress. You should yeah. You, you should not say, well, maybe something else is better than me because that story isn't over yet. It's don't confuse you giving up with trying to dress it with religious talk. That's correct. Maybe it's not good for me. Maybe it's not good for me. Maybe you're weak. Your will is weak. Don't be weak-willed. And unfortunately, our world today is so convenient. We, we, we are weak-willed. If I don't get something in Amazon in two days, it's a terrible service, right? So what's going on? Because our will to wait and our will to desire something for a long period of time and, and hold it, it's, it's weakened. But by education, we can strengthen that because we know that if it's still a possibility on the table, then why give it up? If you give it up, it's from you. That means you don't want it. So say, I, don't, I no longer want it because I can't bear the weight. And don't say, don't put it on Allah. Don't say, for example, uh, don't say, for example, oh, I know it's not going to be good for me because you don't know the future. Don't say this. Don't try to dress the wisdom shaitan. is to persevere. The wisdom is to persevere and to to have that faith that it, it's Allah's will for what to happen to happen to like see it through. You have to see it through because and you cannot be fooled by Iblis who's going to tell you how does Iblis dress up evil or harm, I should say, and evil for Muslims. He dresses up with religious evidence, right? He doesn't dress it up with zina. He doesn't dress right. it up because you're really already it's a religious tricky. Muslim. Yeah. He only dresses it up. He makes it beautiful for you by putting a hadith on it. Misplaced, misinterpreted, right? Misused. He doesn't dress it up by anything else. So he puts that hadith on it uh, or the ayah of Quran. Where, he calls for something evil thinking it's good. How do you know that applies to you? How do you know that applies to you at this moment in time? It doesn't. You don't know that. You don't know what's good and evil in the future. So leave it. Use your judgment and Allah is allowing us. SubhanAllah. Use your judgment. Trust your instincts. If it's bad for you, I'll make it clear. Right? I will make it so crystal clear that it's bad for you. And there's a prerequisite to this. Have a clean heart. Be sincere. Then you can trust your heart. If you're not sincere and you're a liar, for example, then you can't trust your heart. You're, you're, the, the device, the connection device is ruined. 
You have to have the connecting device. Your Wi-Fi signal has to be the correct signal, right? It can't be the wrong signal. If, the wrong, if you're on the wrong Wi-Fi, you can't trust anything that comes up, all right? So you have to be an honest person. You don't have to be sinless, but you have to be penitent for your sins. But you have to be honest. A sidq is the most important thing because that means you're honest with your own thoughts and your own uh, yourself too. It's to also say that whose dream is unacceptable and can never trust their, their dreams or inspirations, the, the, the liar. He may lie to himself. He lies to everyone else. He may lie to himself. So that's the only real prerequisite is the sidq. And a person should, should then proceed without trying to use these things that are really just a justification without realizing it of weak will. And I'm telling you, why does this happen? It's passed on from mother to daughter, from father to son. You hear your mom saying that all the time. You hear your dad saying that all the time. It's an inherited psychology that give up and blame it on Al-Qadr, mm -hmm. right? And it never happens in more than anything than in marriage, right? It's nasib. It's nasib? <laughs> Why does all, it's a choice. You chose to get married like this, right? Nasib. Is anyone forcing you, right? No one's forced you. You either made a right decision or you made a wrong decision. Right, so you have to think and make the right decision, and don't blame it on nasib. So, mm -hmm. marriage is just being one example of that. Yeah. So the nasib not being the answer, but the nasib is being just what happened. That is what ended up playing out. That is the fate. But there's a choice that went into play, whether by you, or whether it was sincere or not. Those are all factors that you have to take into the equation. It has to be an equation, and let's say after the fact. Uh, something happens and, and then the reality is what it is in front of us. Again, this is a way that people, I really believe it's laziness and it's lack of faith, lack of Iman. You're in a bad situation and it seems so permanent, it's unmovable. Well, that's your assumption. If it's a bad situation, change it. Oh, I can't change it. It's impossible. Okay, go to the Qadr of Allah. I mean, people move and they get jobs and then six months into the job, I just moved, I closed on a house in the new school and this job is miserable many people they then say this is not nasib hmm. wait a second your action right now is not a nasib it's your choice it's an inaction really yeah. huh it's an inaction you, that the lack of reaction it becomes a choice to be inactive there's no religion that emphasizes the power of human will than islam there is hmm. no religion that emphasizes Go and act and do and trust in Allah. You got a will. You have, Allah gave you irada. And then forget the discussion on qada and qadar. Are we musakhar musayr? That has, is completely irrelevant to real life. Because we know that we have action. Otherwise, we wouldn't have courts. We wouldn't have criminals that go to jail. Right? We wouldn't have heaven and hell. Forget this discussion on qada and qadar. Qada and qadar, you put it on something absolutely out of your control. Such as, how you look, uh, even that can be changed these days. SubhanAllah. All right. You can fix blemishes. You can fix, you get, don't all our teenagers get braces? Mm -hmm. You get glasses. It's not haram to do that, right? You have a blemish on your face. Allah gave us technology to fix it. Now, medicine to fix these things. There's nothing haram with it. Someone said, oh, uh, but this is changing the creation of Allah. What are you talking about? You're wearing braces. What do you think of that? I mean, we live with analogies that we don't even realize. Yeah. Right? Your, your, your kid is wearing braces, right? So you think that an acne problem is something that's changing the creation of Allah? You're obligated, right, to fix it if you have the means. 
we are a religion of will. And Imam Haddad said, Allah will not move for you unless you move first. Well, that's so, very humbling. Like it's it's a reminder that we have to take charge and that we we um also it's it's humbling in the sense where we have to remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of all that that tawakkal and that faith and that ability to like trust wholeheartedly that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will change what you ask for or change what you will or desire to change. Even the example of like you said, the brother that or the family that you know closed on the house move the kids to new school, start a new job. There's barakah in everything that you choose. And if your change, your choice to change is for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I personally truly believe as you that Allah will put more blessings in your change because you're doing it for his pleasure. Many people say, I don't know. I don't want to involve my will in the matter. I'll rely on Allah. All right. First of all, there is a level, a maqam, that is complete the person has removed their will out of everything this maqam is not for people like you and me i've talked to some shiuch about this this maqam requires that you were trained by some spiritual master for decades or for a long period of time and erased your ego completely and everything is just relied upon a lot that exists it's in the books it's it does happen in our religion but that's not for you and i and what's the proof of that our will is very strong when it comes to sins right we're going to say we don't commit sins. You never got angry. You never got snappy with your mom. You didn't listen to music for an hour on the car ride when you know there's questions about this subject. You didn't watch certain movies on Netflix, or even though it said, you know, um, whatever the rating was, they say, oh, I'm going to turn my eyes down or whatever like that. And you know that doesn't happen. People do sin. You're, so you, you're very, you're strong willed when it comes to sins. Now, when it comes to so let's be strong when it comes to our deen and ourselves and our growth. When it comes to, yeah, when it comes to the halal, because you don't want to take responsibility, it's scary to make decisions. That's the thing. It's really scary to make a decision. You want to throw it on Allah. So no, it doesn't work like that. So I'll tell you where relying on Allah is. I'm going to go and I'm going to shoot for something so uh, far off from what I would ever imagine possible because I'm going to go on Allah's power. I'm going to go on this journey. Now, why do people don't do this? Because they're afraid that it's going to fail. So firstly, negative thought. Why have su'udhan? Okay, don't contradict yourself. You just you believed in Allah's power. Okay, what if Allah has a different choice for me? That's where you're supposed to rely on Allah. I'm going to go on this journey. I'm going to jump from this cliff to the next cliff. But you're afraid to fall. That's where you're supposed to rely on Allah. That's where tawakkul ala Allah comes. Tawakkul ala Allah, relying on Allah does not mean I'm not going to move and rely on Allah to, to move me, to decide whatever happened in my life. He already did. He said, I gave you an intellect. I gave you feet. I gave you a tongue. I gave you a brain. I gave you people that you can ask. I gave you books that you can study. I gave you dua. That's what Allah already gave you. He already gave you the answer. So you got to move. And reliance on Allah comes if the thought comes in my mind. Oh my gosh, I'm going to make this huge push. I'm getting up every night. I'm going to make dua intensely like I've never done before. This is a huge push. If I fall, that's where you rely on Allah. I think the, um, these are great reminders, Sheikh Shadi. I really appreciate it. And the concept of just uh, remembering that these good habits that we've we are learning in Ramadan, we're instilling them in Ramadan. We're going to take advantage of uh, during Laylatul Qadr. 
uh, God willing. These are all things that we should uh, remember is our journey to uh, worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that we should continue them post-Ramadan and, and every um, ability that we can. And I think that these were great reminders. for sharing. It was a pleasure having you here with us today, uh, Dr. Shadin Masli. And um, I really hope and I look forward to future sessions with you. Barakallahu feek. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah from the Remastered Podcast. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.